0: Welcome to a Pulp Event Podcast, brought to you by The Pulp Net, your link to the online world of the pulp magazines, since 1996, online at ThePulp.net. This pulp event podcast features David Saunders, son of pulp artist Norman Saunders, talking with Lisa Scott, the granddaughter of pulp artist H. Wainfield Scott. The talk was recorded on August 7, 2014 at Pulp Fest 2014 in Columbus, Ohio.
1: H. Winfield Scott was born January 14th, 1897 in Danbury, Connecticut. He was named after his relative, General Winfield, General Winfield Scott, who was a hero of the Mexican American War. His father, John C. Scott, was a hat maker, and his mother, Enola T. Scott, was a hat trimmer. And they met at work married in 1891 and had three children. After the death of a child and losing their jobs, the Scots divorced in 1908 and Enola raised the two sons, herself, uh, Walter and Harold, in rented rooms next to a railroad track in Danbury. Both sons contributed to the household. Walter was a clerk at a hardware store and Harold found work as a mechanic in an auto garage. He served in the military during World War I and was stationed in France. Everyone ever met him. He told that he was a, a ground crew on the courageous Lafayette Escadrilles, and also when he was working in the garage, he was like driving President McKinley or something as a chauffeur. He was uh, um, trained as a pianist, also, right? And yeah. So it was, and he had a career, a promising career, and like the governor of Connecticut tried to give him a. Uh, Deferment because his hands were so important. He thought as a, a pianist, and um, but he didn't want to have anything to do with that. So he volunteered. Um, didn't wait until he was the correct age, and was so super proud of his career, and was basically, as in his own words, a rootin' tootin' <laughs> person. Anyway, anyone that knew him, including my father and and millions of other artists. Uh, I just admired the hell out of him. He was an incredible character. And it's it's, it's not an exaggeration to say he was the most colorful artist in a group of uh, really sensational screwballs or whatever. Um, A lot of incredibly eccentric and over-the-top type people. And he was just beloved by everyone. After the war, he went to Pratt Institute, and he studied with Dean Cornwell. And... uh, he practically, at the moment he graduated, he was hired to teach at Pratt Institute because they were undergoing a tremendous uh, growth of uh, popularity at that time. Some of his um, fellow students and and um, then his own pupils were Walter Baumhofer, Rudy Bolarski, Frederick Blakesley, John Fleming Gould, Lawrence Bjorkland, and Ed Cartier and They all have this remarkable quote from all of them about just how great he was. Um, as a teacher at Pratt. Here's a picture of him at Pratt in 1937. And these are the people that are in the photograph. Uh, as pulp uh, lovers, uh, you might recognize Ed DeLavy and mm-hmm. um, Sam Savitt mm-hmm. in that they both worked in pulps. But that's just a random picture you know, of, of the classroom kind of thing. Uh, In 1926, he married Elizabeth M. Scott, and three years later, they bought a house with acreage and hardscrabble road in Coton Falls, New York, where he built an artist studio and raised two sons, Harold and Harvey. And um, um, I think they had a horse farm also or something. Yeah, they
0: always had horses.
1: Um, I'm supposed to be introducing her, so I'm uh, being very rude, (laughs) but I'm trying to be super polite. By 1930, he was regularly selling... um, Pulp covers to Danger Trail, top notch complete stories. Wild West Weekly, sports stars, complete sports. Practically, it's endless, but it. Uh, he also did um, uh, the Avenger, which and um, he did a Doc Savage cover and um, I mean Doc and uh, Quick Trigger. He also sold freelance work to slick magazines like Liberty, Colliers, and Redbook, and in the 1950s, his work appeared on. Paperbacks, and um, this is like, you know, for the competition after uh, Street and Smith stopped using him, I mean, stopped producing um, pulp mag, uh, western pulps. Uh, He was working even for um, Donnenfeld's Trojan uh, westerns. This is a paperback, and this is even a comic book put out by Avon, which had some kind of deal where they were using pulp artists to do comic book covers. He was definitely one of the most impressive men in the history of pulp art. He painted westerns and sports with a slapdash manner that was wildly expressive of his flamboyant personality. Um, According to Scott, quote, I was best known as a whirlwind painter of rootin' tootin' cowboys. Art directors liked my spirit that I got into all my paintings. I have a lot of spirit myself, and that's why I always work so hard. I never knew Christmas. I'd been doing two or three of these things a week sometimes, and sometimes I'd stay up really late at night until like 2 a.m., and then I'd scratch out a face, and if that wasn't right, I would just go to bed, but then I would get up in the morning and start all over again. (laughs) So Harold Winfield Scott died at the age of 80 uh, at home in Croton Falls, New York, on November fifteenth, 1977. So here is his granddaughter. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Um, thanks very much for having me. It's it's a big honor for me and my family. Um, I was very fortunate. I spent an inordinate amount of time with my grandfather, um, probably because my parents could stand me, so they would shove me over with my grandfather. Um, he was a very, very, very energetic individual, and it's too bad that my PowerPoint doesn't show because... I'll show them to you later, but I have a lot of um, photos from our family albums of my grandfather. So when I was little, I um, learned to ride from my grandfather. I sat in his art classes that he had. Um, when I was seven years old, we moved from Connecticut to New York, and he felt really bad for me because um, the very first day that I went to the bus stop, I was waiting for the bus, and you know how the kids hang out of the bus windows and look at who's the new girl, who's the new girl, Well, some dog came out and peed on my leg. And I didn't know what to do and my grandfather took me home and he said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, we'll do this another day. So the following week I was in second grade and the second grade teacher, and I knew no one, I was really shy. The second grade teacher said, we have a famous artist here, and he's going to entertain the class. And I sat in the back, and I wanted to just get sick, because it was my grandfather. (laughs) So he stood up on the chalkboard, and he invited every single kid up from the class to draw just, like, uh, anything they wanted to. And he would stand there, and for five seconds, he would create these huge paintings in these pictures. (laughs) Um, And he just he had a tremendous amount of energy um i am very fortunate i own a lot of the original paintings Um, so one of the photos that i was going to show you is can we do the powerpoint also this i just bought this upstairs on the third floor um the avenger you
1: paid too much no i i
0: wanted to get them more money that was the problem (laughs) I are not charging enough. Um, but anyway so i have a lot of the original art um, and over the years we've done a lot with it Um, my job in the family is the family historian So I keep everything. Um, When my grandfather passed away, um, no one really in my family was very interested in anything that was in his studio, but I grew up smelling turpentines and chewing on paint my whole life. So I took all of his stuff. I have fan mail. Um, As a matter of fact, on this PowerPoint, I actually have a letter here from 1934 from a gentleman in New Mexico who used to se- send, apparently, to my grandfather, a lot of pelts of coyotes. So this letter is pretty hysterical um, about <laughs> the coyotes and how What's his we name? call them Scotty. Uh, this gentleman is S.H. Nichols. And I have boxes of this stuff, so I, I love going through these That's things. That's great. Um, another thing I have to admit is back in the 30s, Uh, My grandfather would always say it's a very competitive market, particularly the 30s and 40s. And to illustrators, their biggest enemies at the time were photographers, because it's a lot easier to take a photo and get it done than have someone illustrate. So my grandfather upped the ante a lot. I mean, he would do three and four covers a week. Um, He never drove them into New York City from his ranch, but he would take the train because they still needed to dry he would literally tell me that I would take these things and I'd be blowing on them, and they're all super, super, super wet. Um, other things that he taught me or, or talked to me about is he was very upset when Street & Smith sold to Condé Nast, um, because there was a gentleman named Robert Lesser, who you probably all know, um, who was at Condé Nast at the time, and Street and & Smith said, we don't want any of these paintings, just take them and get them out of here. <laughs> that's and how he got it. <laughs> that's how his collection started. <laughs> Uh, so over the years, we've been contacted by many people. There's a lot of galleries in New York that still um, carry his paintings mm-hmm. and lots of activity on eBay. And so we hear from people constantly um, about his things. But he was. He was a very energetic, very prolific man. He used to scare the blank out of me as a child. <laughs> um, but he was a really good artist. Taught was he me a good lot horseman? About you know what? its It's interesting. The other point I wanted to bring up is because of the competitive nature in the 30s and 40s with uh, photographers, an illustrator, especially if you're a good one, your best friend was a really good publicist. So as I hear you read some of these things, <laughs> eh, not so much. So my grandfather grew up in Brooklyn. Um, he lived in Connecticut for a while, but he grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, my grandmother, when she divorced her husband, um, was, ran a mechanic shop and my grandfather was a limousine driver. So he drove for a lot of very famous people. Rachmaninoff. He he was a very good pianist. My grandfather.
1: But it was um, a president that was really close. Yeah, to him. And oh, Koolidge, Yeah, Coolidge. Yeah.
0: So he got picked up. He was actually uh, uh, N.C. Wyeth, one of his first models.
1: Wow. Um,
0: yeah. So it, it's a it's a checkered pass, but they're very interesting and. and Fred um, or Ed DeLavy used to be very good friends of our family. Sam Savitt and I used to fox hunt together when I was a kid. Um, so a very close knit community. But I think for all of them in that era, because I I spent so much time with my grandfather's friends as well, is that you know the war was tough. Photography was taking a lot of their business. Um, you know the paper shortage was a huge issue for them so yeah these are some pictures Uh, if I could click through here we go left Uh, and right the best Um, so this is probably my favorite picture of my grandfather ever Um, and the reason why I say that is because when I was a little girl um, when he was done painting his covers he would say what do you want monkey and I would say I want a painting so he would take his palette and clean it off, and then on the side, just whip up another painting for me. So I just, I love that painting um, I have this painting, uh, and I have that one. Wow. Um, I have the bridle, too. Um, he got me into riding horses, and it was funny, because I was so little, that he would come and ride a pony about this big, but my grandfather would show up with a saddle this big, and a bridle this <laughs> long, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, what would you do with it, you know? Um, But I was always very, very proud of him. This was obviously long before I was born, but he left his studio, he had two studios intact. So I would just go out and hang out with him and he'd pull out stuff to show me. Wow. um, He also taught me one thing too, is that he always started, well it depended on his mood, he would say, whether he starts painting from the outside of the painting in or the face to the outside. So probably he was in a pretty good mood because he started with the face. He always said the faces were really tough. Another one of him. I wish he didn't always have a cigarette in his mouth, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so it's it just a fun. I, this is the letter that I was telling you about. I have boxes of fan mail, and it is just hysterical. <laughs> so apparently, his publicist said that he grew up in the West or rode his whole life or something. Now he's a, he's a boy from Brooklyn. <laughs> um, he, he had a big fan club. Um, he also has a lot of letters from like the Royal Air Force. A lot of time reading books and things like that. So, and, and those are the best to read. Um, and those are actually like 15 dead coyotes and <laughs> you know, what happened. And what um, this is what I just bought upstairs on the third floor. This is the actual painting. And it's it's funny because it's not done yet. Um, so, let's see. What else can I tell you? Um, two studios. Everything smelled of turpentine. Um, it was packed with stuff. Just yeah. Packed. Saddles, bridles. Um, His favorite uh, model, his name was Willie, and he lived with my grandparents for a long, long, long time. Um, I was very little when I think Willie went back to Brooklyn. Um, But they'd be in that studio, I remember, for just hours and hours and hours.
1: Did lots of other artists drop by that were friends with him?
0: Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So I was too little, but I guess I played craps with a lot of famous artists. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is actually, I love this picture. I have this um, painting as well, um, and I actually have a lot of this stuff that's hanging on the wall. But this is my dad <laughs> and his brother.
1: A chip off the old block.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, there's my grandfather. So again,
1: this
0: painting up on the left that was actually for a book cover, um, and I'm here actually to honor my grandfather, obviously, but also my mom passed away in April of brain cancer. It was just horrific on family, but she has always been the caretaker for all these things. Um, so it's just, you know, what do you do with some of these things? I mean, mm. they're beautiful and they belong as a collection, but you do get these odd, odd balls
1: and- Of all the artists that worked in Pulps, which is like several hundred, he's the only one that had uh, articles about him and uh, loving uh, attention from Life magazine, yeah. like the famous artist. It's like and yet, he really was a pulp artist, like 99%. I mean, as much as anyone is just in one field and can still make a living. Yeah, so that, how, do you, how do you account for that? I mean, what kind of personality is that? that yeah, he uh, had a
0: very strong personality. I mean, an extremely strong personality. He's often told me when I was very young that you know, he wasn't the best of all dads. He'd show up at Christmas, and other times he'd be painting all the time. Um, he was very uh, personal and very respectful of a lot of different types of art. Um, He had a showing in New York City on 57th Street once, and Norman Rockwell was there. And my grandfather introduced me to him, and I was probably seven or eight years old, and I sat on Norman Rockwell's lap, and they had the original oil paintings, and they had the the covers. And Norman Rockwell apparently, or allegedly I should say, said to me, so what do you think about your grandfather's work? And I didn't know any better. And I said, well, it's really nice that they let him copy the magazine covers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well apparently Norman
0: Rockwell has said it. And and my mom has an article from the New York Times because I was interviewed later and they said, what's your favorite medium? And I said, Crayola.
1: (laughs) I was just dragged to all these things.
0: um, another example of, so he would say to me, he needed a lot of stuff, a lot of props, um, lots of uh, paint paintbrushes in all various states. So when you walked into any studio he had, it was packed, <laughs> packed to the gills. Um, and he would repaint things and repaint things. And, and funny thing is, I have a couple of his paintings that if I flip them over, there's a painting on the other side. Because his theory is, if you didn't like the painting, you made furniture out of it. If you didn't like the furniture, you burned it. <laughs> so funny, yeah, it, well, funny God. Do you
1: um, remember Lawrence probably, Do you remember sorry. Lawrence Björkland?
0: Yeah. Um, we also have like um, Max Herman, Dean Cornwall. a lot of those.
1: They would come around?
0: Yeah, oh very much so. This is one of my favorite because he was like this later on in his seventies and near eighty. Just very energetic. He actually scared a lot of my friends away. <laughs> <laughs> um, there he is with Willie. So every detail, very meticulous. Um,
1: that's great. Yeah,
0: and uh, like the like chops and stuff.
1: You could recognize uh, the features of the Avenger covers in that guy's face. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Very that much pointy so. nose. Very
0: much so. uh, there he is. That's his horse, JT. So here's the boy from Brooklyn riding um, on his ranch in New York. Um, I really don't think anyone really taught me how to ride a I ride a lot. So <laughs> I look at that picture and I go, wow, that's a big pit down that horse's mouth. <laughs> uh, but he had a blast. He would just go out and play with my, you know, uncle and my dad, and we would just rip around. There's a lot of stories about my grandfather. Um, later on in his life, taking his horses down to the local saloon, I guess, and ripping the front porch off by tying ropes to the horses and kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kind of uh, This is one of my favorites.
1: Wow, ones, too, that's this great. This is
0: how I remember him. Wow. Um, this is in North Salem, New York. So North Salem or Croton Falls is probably about. Forty minutes north of New York City, so a quick train ride, uh, probably an hour and a half. Right then, so he would paint, 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 and then get on the train and let these things dry before hmm.
1: the That must have been his favorite hat because I've seen that in decades of yes. photographs. <laughs> yes, and I think I have five or six of
0: them. i <laughs> all um, And this is really, you know, how I remember wow. it as well. Um, you know, he started losing his eyesight probably when he was seventy-eight nine years old um, and then he started uh, a new society series which was less, you know, uh, illustrative in nature but more just like a landscape and uh, a little bit more modern.
1: Was he showing them at the uh, Watercolor Society type things oh, or, yeah. yeah?
0: yeah, yeah, he did all medium. Mm-hmm. you know, it didn't matter and it's funny because again, you know, we have paintings that you flip them over on the back and there's some other painting but I, I think uh, the one thing I want like to say is that um, Dean Cornwall, Ed Delaney, um, N.C., although N.C. was older than my grandfather, they would all <laughs> illustrate their own Christmas cards, thing. These pen and inks, and I have one from Dean Cornwall that I had framed, and I found it in a box. But it's a beautiful eagle, and it's got, you know, ivy around it and a big bow. But that's, they love to just, you know, speak through
1: know their art. So you find his letters and
0: things in it, like that. anyway, wow, that's great. Yeah, he has a of fun. He's a very,
1: very energetic He taught for so many years, he must have had many, many unfamous uh, wannabe artists that yes. were also writing to him and saying, gee whiz, professor, it was so great and Yeah. He had a ton.
0: The, my favorite story um, was Sam Savit was a really good friend of a family, is that Sam could not get and, and I don't know if any of you know Sam Shabbat, but he was the uh,
1: illustrator. Think of Dell Westerns with Silver and uh, Tonto and Lone yeah, Ranger. And in one day, he was the illustrator for the United States Equestrian yeah. Federation, so lots of horses. He uh, did the official, yeah, the official calendar every year yeah. for the uh, Equestrian Society of America mm-hmm. or something.
0: Oh, wow! Stuff turned out to be very dull Not a lot of dimensions Wow, that. so my father or my grandfather at Pratt one day just picked Sam up and threw him against a wall. Wow, And that was a great story. Sam said after that, I never went back to class, but I had energy in my eyes. <laughs> 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 yeah. but I, you know this era it's just uh, it's kind I've of
1: spoken bad. with Sam and his wife, yeah, and they just love him, oh yeah, so they just endlessly you know uh. Revere him, you know, so I mean, I think it was all is forgiven. <laughs>
0: yes, probably. But I think the whole era is very impressive to me. I run an advertising agency. I don't draw, I don't paint, but I sell art, basically, for a living.
1: Do you um, throw your employees against the wall? I'm just asking. Uh, yes, Okay.
0: every other Wednesday. Um, but no, and I always try to, and it's kind of funny, you know, um, give an illustrator a job before any other photographer. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just do, I have to. Um it's an era that I can really appreciate just the work in the effort. Because now that we have computers, I mean, and, and even, you know, I, I'm 50 years old, but yeah, 30 years ago, we didn't have computers, and we would sell concepts on pieces of paper like these guys did, right? So, my right. grandfather also, in his studio, had boxes and boxes of his notebook. So, he'd sketch everything out, paint everything out, figure it all out. And, and you know, in the old days, advertising was pretty sick.
1: Lisa, can you uh, answer any questions from the audience and stuff? Because uh, um, this is your big chance. I just got um, a conference, Treatment Smith Sports Party from 1941, oh, yeah. and your grandfather illustrated it. I did not know we did sports illustrations. You know, I was shocked.
0: It's funny that you say that because-
1: Can everyone hear the question? Yeah,
0: the, the question is- Just
1: know, please talk know, up when you ask the questions. Yeah, my
0: uh, grandmother is really known although he's done a ton of the sport at the time. So, yeah. uh, baseball, basketball, football. Um, he really did... Boxing. Boxing, a lot of them. I, I have a lot of them mm-hmm. there, but um, yeah, people
1: don't realize that he was built very well first. Can you illustration an issue of illustration and, uh, an article about that artist uh, uh, benefited from the uh, misunderstanding by using a name uh, similar to your grandfather, um, and uh, so. Uh, oh, that's the other guy. Yeah, he was entitled to use that name, but it's a. Uh, yeah, it's he was. He was. Uh, what's that expression on somebody else's coattails or something like that? So doors open to him. <laughs> by, yeah. He had, you know, his signature you'll see everywhere is this incredible uh, you know, slashing signature just like, you know, Zorro, you know. Well, it's
0: funny that you didn't mention that. You'll notice a lot of the covers when you go upstairs through the streets. he was one of the very
1: with bright, bright contrasting colors and stuff like that. So it's very, very obvious. So another artist who also had a, a slashy signature could try to palm himself off that way. And that's why J.W. Scott used a signature, J.W. Scott, in a very slashy way that was, uh, to a quick look, would seem to be H.W. Scott. I, I just can't believe the volume
0: that my grandfather and his you know, cohorts and crime, the volume of art. are saying so, you know whether it was an that he did or
1: one of the strategic ways to distinguish themselves from photography in terms of competing for jobs was rather than doing a clinically accurate depiction of something but to make an expressionistic to capture the the, the movement the activity and the, the the spirit of the scene so Making it like a, a expressionistic almost painting of a guy falling off a horse or something, you couldn't get that in a photography. A photograph looks slow and still compared to that. So that was one way of marketing themselves basically. So. It, well, thank you, very much. Well, I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> who were his? Who were his heroes? Who are his heroes? Yeah, I mean artists. Besides uh, mean. myself. Um, <laughs> I I mean, do you like classical painters like Franz Halls?
0: He was um, a fan of, I would say, Van Gogh. Van Gogh. But across the board, everyone. Because he was a very respectful artist that just respected art for art Mm -hmm. and not necessarily any genre. So when I cleaned out his studio, uh, I also became a town historian. (laughs) And he had another studio that we didn't know about.
1: I Impressionists and
0: post-impressionists. That's cool. So, all the board, so. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to a Pulp Event Podcast, brought to you by the Pulp Net, when your next adventure was just a dime away. Please visit us online at
1: thepulp.net. Thank you for listening, and keep reading the Pulps.